everybody wants to be a part of the culture until it's time to be diverse, equitable, and inclusive. So we're having the uncomfortable conversations needed to spark the change right here, right now. We're your hosts, Kai Devereaux Lawson. And I'm Simeon Coker. And we say all the things you wouldn't. Welcome back to the Mixed Company Podcast. All right. Hey, everybody. Usually when you see me, I'm here introducing another episode of Mixed Company Podcast. However, we've got something really exciting for you as we are zooming in to 2024. It's a new year, and that means new exciting opportunities and partnerships. And with that, we are partnering with the Advertising Club of New York as the Advertising Club of New York presents Mixed Company for 2024. This collaboration aims to bring together the best of both worlds, and that's the expertise of the Advertising Club and the engaging content of the Mixed Company podcast. So as part of this partnership, both organizations, we're going to work closely to create valuable content and and relevant content for our audiences. Each episode is going to consist of industry experts and thought leaders invited to share their insights and experiences on various topics related to what? All things advertising. And so as we kick off our first episode, I want to do not just the right thing, but the thing we love to do, which is to give a shout out to the folks we love the most and welcome the team from the Advertising Club of New York on just to say a quick hello so you know that it's real and we're not just talking. Alicia, <laughs> Gina, Inas, you're here. I think I saw Chris on. Thank you guys for joining us this year. Oh my gosh, this is such an exciting thing. We have been long fans of Mixed Company. We've done so many cool things together and adding this to our repertoire is just super exciting. The club has great content together. I think this is going to be one of the best podcasts ever. Love it. Cannot wait. And you know we love a club. So this will definitely be a good time for all of us. We've got 12 months of great content So Gina, Alicia, Inas, Chris, team, all the team that can be here and can't be here, thank you. And you guys stay tuned for more episodes. But before you get more episodes, you're going to get this episode. And so today, we're going to focus on the 20 our 2024 trends report. Like we said, we've got the advertising club here, and you've got mixed company here. And we're talking about advertising. And it's January when we're recording this. And that means everybody's trying to predict what we're going to see in the future. And so as we're predicting, making those predictions and talking about what we're seeing, I want to bring in some of our amazing guests or two of our amazing guests, our first guests, which make you guys our best guests, because who's ever trying to be in a number two spot? Not me. I want to present to you guys Rick Song, President, Brand Innovators Strategy Group, Board Chair Emeritus of the Ad Club of New York, Board Advisor and Investor, Nonprofit Volunteer and DEI Advocate, LMNOP, QRS, Y, and Z, and all of the titles, Rick, welcome to the Advertising Club of New York Presents Mixed Company Podcast. How are you? Thank you so much, Kai. Wow, that was a full-blown introduction, which I appreciate, (laughs) but I'm excited to be here and uh, get into the conversation. Absolutely. We like a good resume. It's the real we deal. love a good resume. That's what this business does best, right? Yeah. And in addition to Rick, we have our good friend, longtime listener, 
longtime friend, huge supporter, also a member of the Advertising Club of New York. We've got Inas Hassan here, who is the program manager of the International Andy Awards, which in itself is super exciting because Inas, you are literally program managing all things history. I'll never forget how excited everyone was when you know, uh, uh, the the Andes got that major shout out on uh, Mad Men because it's yeah. long. And now you are the program manager. So welcome. Yeah, welcome. Pleasure. Actually, you get to see all the trends as they're coming in every year. Yeah, I get to watch YouTube videos all day. It's the best part of my job. <laughs> Listen, isn't that the job that the kids are going for the, these days? Mm -hmm. I know a 14 year old right now that if he could get paid to watch YouTube all day, he'd be paying the mortgage pretty all right. much. So. <laughs> all right. So we're going to jump right into it, right? So we're talking about all things advertising, but we can't talk about advertising unless we're talking about money. And we can't talk about money unless we're talking about this, this economy that we're living in. Folks are worried about interest rates. We're seeing budgets being cut left and right. And so Rick, I'll actually start with you because you know, you've got the resume, you've seen the things, you, you, you've seen how the business has changed over the course of many years and the, uh, the highs, the lows, the, the ups and the downs. And I'd love to get your sense of how you perceive the current economic climate and how it's influencing the advertising landscape. Thanks, Kai. Yeah, it's a great question. And, um, you know, at Brand Innovators, we, uh, here we engage with marketers with our consulting group that I run every day. And we also see CMOs and brand executives on stage in our programming, you know, every week of the month. So we get to hear firsthand kind of what's happening out there. And what's interesting, the interesting dynamic is I think that there, um, there was a big anticipation for a recession, right? Uh, but the reality is economic uh, indicators for the country are actually pretty strong. You know, solid GDP growth, inflation um, is is uh, is starting to decrease. Um, unemployment is at at an all time low. So their their economic indicators are kind of going one direction, but there's no question the ad economy is softened. And uh, and I don't know uh, if that's an indicator of just uh, maybe the anticipation of, of the recession, the long-awaited recession that hasn't happened yet, uh, which I guess some pundits are still anticipating. But um, we, we definitely are hearing marketers talk about the, 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 the cutting of their budgets. You know, they're having to be smarter uh, of having to perhaps table some, you know, uh, innovation investments, right? Perhaps maybe some of the things in Web3 as an example, versus the, the tried and true, you know, performance-driven uh, marketing uh, efforts that, you know, that drive their businesses. So it's an interesting dichotomy. I think 2024 will be interesting as well, because um, I think pretty much for the last year and a half, we've anticipated some kind of uh, massive overall slowdown in the country, some kind of recession to occur, and it really hasn't happened yet. Although we have seen the ad economy softening a little bit. And um, and so it'll be interesting to see how 2024 nets out, you know, as a result. How do you think the um, the sort of ping pong of the economy or the perception of the economy is going to affect messaging this year when it comes to consumers? Do you think that um, because there is all of this economic uncertainty, whether, you know, the big wigs are saying it's not or, or it is, do you think that's going to have an impact on how brands message to consumers this year? 
I mean, I, I think so. I, I think you're, you're still going to hear value-driven messaging. I think that's going to continue to be a staple. I think, um, um, uh, I think by definition, you're going to see, you know, um, uh, some of the major brands pulling back on the, the scale of advertising they're doing. So in a sense, you know, that, that's kind of a messaging in itself, right? That there will be less messages uh, probably from a, from a um, high-level, macro-level uh, perspective. But um, but I, th I think it's still a lot of TBD. You know, there's a lot of things happening this year um, that will affect, um, you know, the ad economy from a technology perspective, whether it's the impact of Gen, and Gen AI, which, you know, we hear it's impacting many different uh, levels um, of marketing and advertising investment, but also productivity and output. Um, you know, the, the, obviously the, the uh, deprecation of cookies, which is really finally kicked off in January of this year, just a few weeks ago. I think 1% of, uh, of uh, Chrome users uh, were not served third-party cookies anymore. And that, so that's, that trend is going to continue to happen throughout this year moving forward. So we're finally going to have cookie apocalypse. Cookie apocalypse? Am I saying that right, Kai? I don't know. Is that apocalypse. Right? That's 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 <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not hit to the church. But um. But that is going to have uh, certainly um, an impact on the ecosystem, right? In terms of the, the shift that's finally going to take place and brands having to deal with identity resolution and all the different technologies and platforms that are being built that mm -hmm. don't use cookies over the last few years, last several years that are really going to start to take momentum. So there's a lot of different indicators, a lot of different kind of uh, things that will impact kind of um, output and messaging for this year, but it's uh, it's not going to be solely economic environment alone. Absolutely. So Inas, I'm actually going to toss the next question over to you because Rick is Rick is 100% right. I think that there is a different approach to how we are, to how we are for foraging forward with the marketing landscape cookies are 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 now becoming the new four letter word we're seeing that there are new platforms that are that are kind of coming in place of you know how we've been marketing let's say over the last 5 to 7 years that also means that creativity and how what how creativity is shifting um is 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 changing right before our eyes and as you are sitting at the heart and the center and the eye of the storm if you will of award season where Andy, the Andes is at the, at the upfront of the season and usually ends up, to, you know, whoever wins at the Andes, you tend to see them win throughout the year. And so you are all over YouTube. You are watching all kinds of case studies. You are engaging with all of the most elite creatives. I'd love to get your sense, Inas, how you feel um, about what new and, and innovative uh, creativity formats or approaches or things or perspectives even that you foresee gaining prominence in advertising in 2024. I think over the, I think last year was really interesting where there was this upswing in um, utilizing celebrities for a lot of commercial spots. We also saw a lot more humor in spots as, as you know, coming out of the, um, or not completely, but, you know, moving away from COVID speech and fear-based speech and trying to protect ourselves. And so what does 2024 look like as most people are back in the streets, most people are living their lives as best as they can, given, you know, uh, given the economic uh, positioning. So what are you seeing for creativity in 2024? Yeah, um, 
Well, first, like piggybacking on, you know, what Rick was saying, I think like the recession part is a little like, you know, it's like, are we in a recession? Do we have to like, you know, cut budget? So I think there is a part of the industry that is, um, you know, maybe considering if they're going to prioritize the go big or go home type of advertising where they're going to be more risky. But um, also on like, on the other hand, we're seeing like the type of Super Bowl ads like RGA and Mischief, the Reddit and the um, Tubi ads that are just like using their material, using their limelight in whatever, like the most subversive way possible in order to get that um, attention. And um, so there's like both ends. And I think like even in the pandemic, we we saw that there was like um, agencies and um, brands maybe cutting or, you know, like reevaluating what they're entering. And um, I think like one really cool thing we did at the Andes, especially for the markets that are, you know, in Asia, in Africa, in Australia, that are making really great work where, you know, it's like sometimes they're making really great work, but in the award show spaces, they might have to maybe make the work but not enter it for the recognition so we created this really cool um opportunity called for um we call it the regional competition where um uh, agencies in africa asia well apac in the suwana region which is um southwest asia north africa um in latin america um they can enter it for free so i think that like that helps us kind of gauge what and ensure what great work is out there and also make sure that that barrier like yeah because it is it is a huge barrier and you know I think when we're talking about creativity it goes even beyond just you know repurposing like I think last year we saw a lot of re nostalgia based creativity a lot of pulling things back from the 90s we're reliving clueless we're reliving our favorite tv shows we're bringing back friends you know even the emmys i think the the presentation this year with the emmys it was a lot of trying to repurpose that way but i love the approach that you're talking about which is how do we remove barriers so more people get to play in the space of creativity globally and and i'd love to hear that yeah. um one of the things mm-hmm, go ahead Because I think like when it comes to like mediums, materials, I think there's so many ways that, you know, creatives can play. And, you know, sometimes one campaign will take on different formats. So I think like talking about like what new um, VR, AI thing that they can use, I think just like creativity overall is just taking on so many faces from like old school, you know, print and like just really being as creative as possible and subversive as possible. So I think it's not limited to any like innovative material. I think there's so many innovative things happening in the world that we can't keep up with but yeah sure i I would add though onto your question kai on formats though i think in the pandemic um you know obviously we were all connected more to our screens and and really the um the popularity and surge of tiktok you know kind of came out of the pandemic and it also retrained the general population the global population i should say Mm -hmm. in terms of how we consume video content and it's really um redefined what short short form video is. And so I think you're going to see, uh, we're going to see continued evolution of what that means in terms of advertising. And we've already seen that happening over the last couple of years coming out of the pandemic um, as, you know, as reels and, and other, uh, you know, from Facebook and, and other kind of um, uh, similar formats to the TikTok experience have emerged. 
we're going to see more of those experiences, I think, evolve uh, as a uh, as a standardized format, which is going to push kind of the you know creators and and, and creativity into into the short form video format to be even more you know unique to have messaging stand out. And I think what's actually excited about that, not to stay here too long, but one of the things that I, I think is is really going to be a trend and a good trend as far as I'm concerned. So I think I was I gave a lot of constructive criticism last year about creativity is that our timing, our cultural timing, I think is actually going to be better as we are moving into this space where there's more um, intersectionality between that user generated content, what's happening in culture and how agencies are brand and brands are actually able to reuse that. And so one of the ways that I, I've seen that um, come to life in, over the last couple of days is the Uber Eats commercial with David Beckham and Victoria. And, and that was just a few months ago when they dropped their Netflix special and they had that tell the truth moment that's yeah. now become this big pop cultural phenomenon that I think might have actually taken a year or so ago for, for brands to pick up on. Those were huge memes. Like, I, I don't know culturally what community wasn't using the tell the truth. Yeah. me when he you know he's saying like you you weren't working class like your, your dad drove a Rolls Royce and that's not a working class vehicle that's no Toyota Camry that we're talking about here and so for me the fact that I laughed almost immediately and got it and didn't feel that it was outside of the realm of something relevant and it didn't feel cheesy but it was just cheeky enough that it was like oh okay whoever yeah. was working on this was paying attention I do feel like timing is actually going to be a lot better without just relying on, you know, the the so the celebrity, you know, selling celebrities, selling sex, selling all of the old tropes that we've had to really dig into, uh, nostalgia even that we've had to dig into in the last few years. I, I was just about to hit on that too because we saw what happened with Snoop a couple of weeks ago with the yeah. up smoke, right? So they're relying on the big celebrity name isn't good enough anymore. We're actually forcing the consumer or the reaction of or culture is forcing us to be a lot more strategic with how we're using them. Like there has to be something that actually resonates with the people in order for that spin to make sense. Yeah. I think, I think I saw that with like, there's the Coca-Cola. I don't know if you guys watched the bear where um, the, the, I think it was both the NFL, the NFL created like a bear esque kind of um, they like adapted a form of the bear and also Coca-Cola had readapted that dinner scene from the second season mm -hmm. to kind of like, um, you know, build on the double hype of what's happening. So, you know, like aligning brands are like being successful when they align themselves with like hype moments or like cultural moments. And then it's kind of like an inside joke type thing. Mm -hmm. For sure. Another big conversation that's really taking over and it'd be interested to see if this sustains in the in the way that people are talking about it or if it kind of falls flat in the way that I think virtual that virtual reality may have over the last decade where, you know, AI is the center of conversation across the board. Right. And that goes into everything from how work is getting done, how people are approaching doing their resumes, how people are approaching selecting their talent. I don't know if AI is being used at all in the Andes, Enos, but we even know that how we are going about selecting, you know, and predicting what the best content is, is actually being handled through AI. And so in terms of, of emerging technologies, I'd love to get a sense for how you guys think that AI, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, 
how these things may impact advertising in 2024. Yeah, well, well I think Gen, uh, Gen AI is already being, you know, integrated into the processes for creativity uh, in advertising already. And I think um, certain tasks, certainly productivity, to your point, Kai, but uh, things like uh, data analysis, uh, content creation, scaling campaigns, it's kind of already being utilized, but I don't think it will replace uh, creativity or the need for human creativity or the human lens, right, into the world to, to, to make great work. Um, I think it's going to be uh, continue to be more more accelerated. It's going to happen faster than any generation of technology we've ever we've ever experienced. But I don't think it's going to replace the need for a human, you know, the human eye, human lens into the world to, to make great, you know, creative uh, work. Um, but it, it'll definitely scale uh, the the level of uh, of of the ability to create work and to be more productive and work faster and cheaper, better, and all those things. I think it's already, we're already seeing signs of that. It's definitely a topic we hear our marketers talk about, you know, all the time. And and then as far as AR and VR, I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's versions of it from, you know, uh, in, in the, there's small versions of it from a, a snap filter, right. To great creative examples to digital out of home, whether it's Times Square or in Tokyo or in London, you know, some of those grand, uh, activations uh, that are AR uh, or VR generator are fantastic. So I think there's great examples of it already being done. And I only see that accelerating, right? And then the backend technology um, using Gen AI to create some of those things, uh, continue to create those things even faster. I think it's definitely something that's going to happen. But um, um, but I think in the, in the grand world, uh, in, uh, in the grand scheme of creativity, you're still going to need the human touch. I don't think it'll ever be replaced. This, you know, um, you know, we've seen examples of when we try to replace editorial, you know, with with AI. Um, yeah, it didn't work out so that. good for uh, it, folks it, at ESPN yeah. and Sports Illustrated, did it? <laughs> yeah, it, it's a um, the yeah. Well, and I think the 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 other thing that brands um, will continue to ensure because I think the the especially the the younger generations will acquire is authenticity. So no matter what technology, no matter what platforms, like we're learning, well, you're not going to replace authentic messaging. You're not going to replace, you know, authentic connections. And um, and so no matter what the technology or the innovation is, that authenticity still remains true and the, the brands still have to speak, you know, be true to the core values of their brand and speak authentically to their audiences. I don't think that ever goes away. Yeah, I think I think, you know, with creativity, I think there's like that imagination aspect of it. And, I, you know, I don't think that creative like um, AI will take over creativity this year, but maybe we I can't, you know, tell you what it will look like in like the next decade. But I do think that there is a lot of imagination and um, just like also the process the process of creativity and idea like the ideation process I think it comes through it doesn't happen in a second so I think it's in a way I I do commend AI but I do think that it takes away some of that process and I think also being creative with how you use this new process because at the end of the day AI is just a kind of like a means to an end it's a tool and I think like people who are afraid of it are people probably who are afraid of the you know the drill they're like use your screwdriver you know it's like why why would I use my screwdriver when I could just use my drill um 
it's it's something that will save time and I also can't promise that you know it won't take away people's jobs because I do think there's like um if you think about like editing or you know like um you know finding the perfect stock photo and whatever ad you're working on I think that that was someone's job to do and it could potentially take it but I also do think that's why like creatives and people coming into the like industry also have to be very you know on their toes and like tinkering with all of these materials because there is like it's I think it's the youngest generation who like adapts the quickest with this AI tools and I think that like I I, like the one thing that I would tell people is just play with it like find as many AI tools because there's there's chat GPT which is just the like the biggest yeah well I think here here's what I think is interesting right when we talk about AI and we, we look at so when I started out in the industry when I started out AR was becoming the thing. VR was like the thing everybody was talking about. So we were looking at Oculus headsets and they were making everyone seasick. And people were like, it's making me sick. It's too expensive. I don't know how to use it. The utility wasn't there. You see a little bit more utility as we move into augmented reality. As you said, you know, Pokemon Go was a big thing. Shout out to the good folks over at Snapchat and all of the great things that they're doing with their filters and being able to integrate a lot of their, uh, their AR experiences into... Um, experiential work with Disney and Coca-Cola, et cetera. The name of the game, I think, when we talk about our industry and how emerging technologies can actually take off and not have this downslope is utility and efficiency. And so, yes, I think there are tons of conversations that are happening right now about, will the robots take our jobs? Honestly, I've seen sci-fi and in about 15, 20 years, they might. However, until we get there, until we get there, I think this predictive learning is actually making it, taking away those barriers that we were talking about, Inas, when those barriers that uh, uh, kind of keep people out of the industry. You know, sometimes brain fog is a big deal. And we're coming, like we said, we're coming out of a really, a really draining time after COVID where getting inspiration is a lot harder. And so it makes copywriting harder. And so getting somebody, get, having ChatGPT be the, the thing that's actually helping to you know, be your be your creative partner and generating ideas so you can flesh it out becomes helpful. Having, you know, if you're working at a mid-sized agency or a smaller indie agency, you don't have the luxury of having 35 creatives on board all of the time. There, There is this aspect of AI generative content that it's like, it does kind of cut the process in half, which allows there to be bigger margins when we're talking about revenue. And so I see a lot of utility there. I see a lot of creativity, not just in how design and aesthetic looks, but how building teams and operationally how you function as a business works. And so I'm excited to see how that actually evolves in 2024 because people are becoming a lot more nimble in how they approach looking for work in this in this industry and, and are able to sell in, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a top five, uh, a top five firm to bring in business. You could be an independent consultant and still be able to turn around creative, programmatic, et cetera, et cetera, in a way and compete with the larger agencies. So I actually see AI as a good thing short term when we see it looking like a Will Smith movie in about 15, <laughs> 20 years. I'm sure I'll change my thought process. I mean, but I think that's where it's going too, because in in a way, what it's aiding and abetting right now is personalization, right? So for for consumers, 
they're, I feel like you, it's building trust with them when they're buying products. So you can try on the makeup before you actually buy, which makes, which is probably uh, motivating you more to buy it because you can see it on yourself. And then also it can anticipate what you need before you even need it. So if you bought makeup three months ago and it's like, all right, you've had this makeup for three months. They now know that you need to buy another one. So I think there's going to be a lot of utility that is given to the consumer. I know that everyone's focused right now on, on how it's going to affect employment, but I think that's going to be one of the things that's motivating brands to invest in it in a way that makes sense instead of just, you know, the flashy, um, trendy stuff because i think even when you were talking about the pokemon go when that came out it was trendy in every brand or a lot of brands are trying to jump on it i think once the trend the trend uh dies down that's when they start looking for how they can actually have some utility and add to the bottom line for sure so i know we're coming up on time in a little bit but we've got two more aspects to cover we can't have a conversation about inclusion or sorry we can't have a conversation about look Look at this Freudian slip. And I didn't even mean for it to come out like that. But we can't have a conversation about advertising without talking about inclusion, even though oftentimes people feel like they are separate conversations. And I feel like we're in the right company to of, of folks, the good folks at the ad club, Rick, yourself, Enosh, yourself. Let's talk about it. What do we think is on the horizon for the conversation of inclusion in advertising for 2024? Rick. I'll toss it to you because that is on your resume. What's it looking like? Yeah. I mean, I think we're making gradual improvements, right? Um, I think in general, you're seeing more representation and it's been a gradual process um, depending on which, you know, which ethnicity, uh, you know, we're talking about, but I think it's, uh, it's been a slow process and I think uh, increasingly becoming a more inclusive environment, you know, and, and you know, when you hear uh, more, Mark Pritchard uh, talking about, um, well, there is no general market multicultural. Everything's multicultural, right? So you're looking at the biggest global CPG advertiser in the world. And uh, just a, another brand innovator's plug, he was on stage with us in Cannes with Byron Allen. And Byron Allen, you know, basically asked Mark Pritchard to come with him, right? Because he wanted to say, like, you know, this is somebody who's making a change, who has authority, who's taking, you know, who's, who's, who's taking a claim and saying multicultural is actually not a specialized advertising. Everything is multicultural. So um, is that the entire industry? No. Do we still have gaps and ceilings? And, and, and yes, for sure. But um, and, and I think, you know, as as a longtime board member of the ad club and the, the, the previous chair and on the executive committee, you know, it's great to see that we continue to see, you know, our marketers at, at the brand innovators uh, side too, on the brand innovators side too, uh, continually invest more in, in messaging around inclusivity and diversity because, you know, that it's not, um, I think we've known this, but increasingly it's, uh, and, and, and Richard says the same thing, it's business sense, right? It's not, it's not a, um, uh, it's not a, uh, uh, extracurricular activity at, at, you know, in corporate America, it's not something you're doing that it's a nice to have. It's also a business imperative, right? The, the, the world is becoming more of a global, the global stage is becoming more diverse, right? And so if you want to make sure you're doing great business with all these diverse groups, you have to have inclusive messaging. So, um, that's, uh, I'd say it's improving. And I think we're, we're in recent years, even, you know, I, I think one of the most uh, promising aspects, if there is a promising aspect coming out of um, the really tough times of, um, 
you know, uh, the pandemic and the surge in hate crimes uh, and anti-Semitic uh, crimes, et cetera, is uh, the activism and allyship that ha has arisen, right? And more people working together to say, okay, we have an issue to solve. Unfortunately, there's still a portion of the population that's stuck in, on the other side. But, um, but I feel like the activism, activism and allyship that came out of, uh, the, of recent years is helping propel you know, uh, you know, taking action and then, you know, wh whether it's uh, companies focusing on black owned businesses or, you know, stop API hate and, make, you know, taking real, making real investments uh, to make those cultural changes the in and impacts to the culture. I think, um, you know, it can't, you know, uh, you know, uh, logically dictate it's going to have an impact on inclusivity and messaging. We're starting to see that. So I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm a blast to have full kind of person. So I'm optimistic that it'll continue to improve. Yeah, I just want to ask you. Um, yeah, so I think I think this is like a make or break year where, you know, it's like, I think with AI and everything, all the new technologies, I think every, you know, all the challenges the industry had is magnified because we have this new tool and what does that mean? Um, I think, you know, people of color and people of, you know, underrepresented groups, uh, are usually in the bottom portion or like the portion of the group where it might be more vulnerable to being laid off like my you know like my peers are still being laid off since like the past you know year ish and um, I think that people are either, you know, like the industry has to actively choose, are we going to invest? Because I think also like the one cool thing, like in the fellowship program that you have, we like to call the messy middle, where um, if people in leadership, because I think at the end of the day, AI needs to be managed and who is managing that? Like if you think of it, AI as an intern, basically, I think that's how I like to think about it. Who's going to manage the intern? And it's like, if you are the intern, we don't need you anymore because we already have this really super smart that has everything on the, like all the knowledge of the world intern um, or, you know, simple junior level um, creatives, you know, wh why do we need like a photographer? But anyway, um, I can, you know, chat about this, but I think that we have to actively choose how we're going to um, elevate people who are most vulnerable and also value them and their perspectives for, for the, yeah. yeah. Because sure. I think I think that it could either go really well where everyone, you know, our the progress we've been making in diversity, equity, inclusion is advanced, or it can regress because the, everyone's economic fears just yeah. like goes in a tizzy. Yeah. So so I love the fact that you both are here and thank God for you. I think I might be a little less optimistic and largely not just because of Samir, you're laughing, but this is why this is a mixed company podcast. So I am a little less optimistic. I 100% see a shift. I see a shift in how conversations are happening. I think, Rick, you are you are right. I am seeing the conversation going from, let's say, the inclusion officer and actually moving more into the business conversation. And so we are seeing, you know, I've been accused of being a, 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 having a crush on Byron Allen, but that's a whole other story. I think the fact that he's bringing these conversations to the forefront bringing them to C-suite, uh, to C-suite conversations and debates, and even at the legal level is important. 
Mark Pritchard continuously has this as a part of his conversations in the media and how he approaches the work. And I think that that is great. And I think that that is where I'm seeing the progress where my, my lack of uh, optimism comes in is the fact that it is, you know, we, no one has called it a recession, but budgets have been, um, budgets are shrinking. They're being pulled back agencies. We like, you know, Inas, you've mentioned over the last year and a half, they've consistently been making cuts, whether these are public cuts or cuts that they're making um, at a more secretive level, it's constantly happen happening. And the people that we're seeing on the internal side that are um, being impacted tend to be people who are marginalized or underrepresented. And that goes from anywhere from folks who identify with disabilities, physical and, and unseen and seen and unseen disabilities, people who identify as Black, Latino, Asian, mixed race, Native, et cetera. We're also seeing that there are less opportunities for full-time senior roles for people to move up within those underrepresented areas. I'm also kind of a little bit concerned about how messaging will start to change once we get into the thick of, uh, of election season. And so mm -hmm. it is an election year. Um, it is also a leap year, so that means it's an extra day for us to, to figure out what happens at the polls. But yeah. as we've seen since 2012, the, uh, the election and this battle, this ferocious battle between the two different ideals of whether we are, quote unquote, you know, whether we are more conservative or we are more liberal actually starts to impact whether or not we value diversity, equity and inclusion as um, a, a lifestyle, a way of thinking, a business approach. And so I think Inash, you're right. It could go either way. This could be the this could be potentially a year where folks are like, enough is enough. We need to just stay 10 toes down and focus on keep our eyes on the prize. However, you know, we've seen quite a few agencies are doing away with their DEI departments. They are shrinking largely because budgets are shrinking and we do have to make, you know, as a business, you do have to make your choices. And so those choices, even though in in some areas they may seem like small pocketed choices that won't impact the greater thing. In fact, they will impact the industry in the long run because people start to see and hear what do you value as a company? And if DEI isn't it, folks will not focus on it. And so I am, I, you know, by the time we get to November, I am going to be spent. Okay. <laughs> I'm just tired. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, when, when you said make or break, I took it uh, a different way because I was thinking about it through the lens of the consumer work. Um, DEI is already under attack. We saw what happened last year. And because it's an election year, the discourse around diversity and inclusion is going to get louder. So those brands have started to dip their toe into um, increasing representation in their marketing two years ago. We've already start, started to see them regress. So I think a lot of them are going to continue to regress this year in order to not um, anger their their consumers. And so I think when that happens, the brands that are who, who have doubled down on diversity over the last couple of years, they're going to continue to do what they've been doing. And those other brands are going to try to mimic it because this is an industry of trends. This is why we're talking. And when they mimic it, they're going to end up with their foot in their mouth. I think toward the end of the year, we're going to see a lot more discourse uh, with the marketing that's coming out with brands that are trying to um, 
input or or have an input in the social uh, landscape that's happening. And so I think there's going to be brands that are are going to win and it's going to be very few brands and we're going to see more brands um, getting their asses handed to them um, through social media as they mess up. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely agree, uh, so I mean, in terms of the, the immediacy of the response, right? We didn't really talk about the impact of social, but it's uh, an influencer marketing, which now I think we kind of mentioned it earlier. Influencer marketing is no longer this like nice to have specialized thing on the side. It's a core, you know, it's a core uh, tool, right? it's a core uh, medium. And uh, part of that is because the, the immediacy and real time, you know, impact and ability to read consumers' uh, responses so quickly. Um, in terms of, let me, let me, uh, uh, walk back my comments earlier, Kai. So you don't, I don't, you, you don't think we, like I, I think the industry's solved <laughs> for, for diversity and inclusivity because it has not. Um, I, I think my, my comments are really more around evolution, right? That there's there have been evolved. steps, yeah. steps that have been taken. Have we taken steps backwards? Most definitely, plenty. We can probably rattle off a bunch of examples that happened just last year alone. And I, I also would say conversely it's not going to be one year make or break, right? It's going to be another year of baby steps. And mm -hmm. hopefully my, my, like my back to my glass at full uh, persona, I hope it's going to be big steps, but you know, I don't think, I don't think it's going to be like, boom, it, we just, we went back, you know, four years now, but yeah. I don't know, politically, you know, I'm very scared by how things are, are trending in general, but it's a whole other podcast. But, um, but uh, if you think be, about Rick, not on this one, just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. But I'm just I'm just worried. Am I moving to Canada or what's happening? But um, but it's like uh, when I think about the younger generations who are more informed, right? And they are want more authenticity. They want more purpose driven uh, uh, messaging from their brands, right? That this this has a, 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 a you know a halo effect on on the impact of our culture, right? Because they're like. Their expectations are more authenticity, more purpose-driven messaging, more CSR support, more supported diversity and inclusivity, mess inclusive messaging. So my my hope is that 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 cycle, right, with the younger generations, as as some of us, and I guess I'm one of the older ones now, but but uh, cycles uh, the older generation, the older generations out, like that that will have that will also impact, you know, the the the. Uh, affect the tone and impact the acceleration of, of how diversity and inclusivity, how DNI and the equity piece of course um, uh, evolves within our within our culture. Because um, I'm just speaking optimistically, because you know, having lived, grew up in an environment that was you know horrific, uh, and, and there was and representation, you know, you know, quite. And, and my my quick anecdote, I'll say. Um, as an Asian American growing up in this country, I haven't felt represented in media and advertising until like, like the last few years, right? And quite frankly, I admired, you know, my the entertainers and athletes were all black that I, I admired, you know, because I I saw a person of color, I said, that's America, like that's look at look at look at how these people can be so prominent, right? Um, they can become present, you know, like the 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 the, the just the, in being heard and seen as an East Asian American. Um, it's only been the last few years, so don't don't let don't don't take my no, comments as overstating. I think, overstating. I think what you said is really, like... really important because you touched on you touched you touched on activism, and I think that that activism is actually going to really be triggered this year because of everything that's going on. We're seeing conflicts yeah. between countries, very very powerful yeah. countries. Yeah. We're seeing dynamics between 
uh, socioeconomic dynamic shifts. We're seeing a lot more. And when, as we were talking about access to tools like AI, as we were talking about access to creativity in new ways because barriers are being removed, I think activism is going to play a major role in 2024 when it comes to the conversation of inclusion. And I think you are 100% spot on for that, Rick. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I, can I just add like really quickly when it comes to, I like, I think also a big conversation in inclusion um, will be like AI generated inclusion where it's like people in like their work around for including people is, you know, having AI generate a disabled woman of color, you know, like what I think that's going to be an interesting conversation. And I think that that also adds to the make or break. Like, are we actually going to be doing inclusion especially like representation and ads or are we going to pretend and have ai do it that's that's just my two cents well we have a whole year to find out it is you know this year every year tends to show us a whole bunch of new stuff that we could never predict but i think we've gotten a good start in our conversation and so we're going to close out this episode our first inaugural episode for the advertising club of new york presents a mixed company podcast rick inas thank you so much ad club team thank you so much we'll be back with more episodes this year you stay tuned have a good one Talk soon, y'all.